What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access. Oh, Friday. The weekend is here. We're on a 4th of July week. Everybody out of the building next week, including the NFL. Roger Dell told the NFL offices, you're out all next week. So that's kind of nice. But we're in today. I'm your host, John Harris. Sitting across from my partner, in the lab partner, but he's also my partner upstairs. We live right next door to him. My man, Drew Doherty. Drew, what's up, buddy? What's going on, bro? You going to, uh, when this is over in about an hour, you're going to go fire up the grill, yep. cook some stuff up, and then yep. come inside, watch your full house, your uh, family matters. Yep. Your, uh, what was that one with Patrick Duffy and Suzanne Summers? Step by step. Step by step. TGIF, yeah. That, I like the daughter. Uh, some might the, say, which one? Yeah, the, da- the, the brunette daughter. Okay. Yeah, she was... Yeah, she was good looking. I'll just leave it at that. Hey, dude. Uh, my wife might listen. I'm in, sorry so. to veer off topic here, but. You know how we do. On Netflix, and I guess it was originally a CNN thing. They do. They have this, uh, the 80s. Oh, yeah. I love these. And the 90s. Oh, I've stuff. seen all of them. Go, I watched the 80s music one last night. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> you know who's in his car right now going, Drew, I knew I liked you. Who? Your boy, Sean Pendergast. Oh, well, that's my guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Susanna Hoffs was—he—he he loved Susanna Hoffs, and I, I mean, it's understandable. Anyways. Loved her, and that, yeah, yeah, she was. And I said this aloud to my wife last night. <laughs> I mean, we were watching it together, and she just like smiled and shook her. Those head. those yeah. documentaries on CNN are fantastic. Awesome, they're Town, so good. USA, dude. I've seen the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, and I'm working my way through the 2000s. Just the opening. Like animation and graphic that they go that is phenomenal. It's Holy incredible. Cow. Yeah. It's really, really good. Uh the one on have you seen the one that they do on eighties TV? Uh yes, yes, yes. I can't remember if that was early. That was like one of the first ones. Right. right? In fact, I think there was a two parter, if sure, I remember. Right? Yeah, they had so elsewhere. each decade they do one on television and music. Mm-hmm. And so it was the one that they do on the two thousands for T V. Is really interesting because it's kind of the introduction of Netflix and then oh, yeah. you know, AMC shows and obviously Breaking Bad and some some different shows outside of the network. It's really those go to Netflix and check them out. I don't know if they're all there, but I know the eighties, nineties, and two thousands are all there on Netflix. My dear parents, really, really uh, they were early on Netflix um, as far as getting the DVDs. Yeah, yeah. So they were like pioneers mm-hmm. as far as getting on, and they haven't changed. They still. <laughs> They still get DVDs delivered to them from Netflix. So God bless them. <laughs> That's God awesome. Bless them. That's the best thing I've heard all I day, man. Them. You know what? Yeah. That's fine. It wasn't until about five or six years ago my mom told me that she quit writing checks at the store. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, well. And she's like, yeah, I could use my ATM card. And I was like, Mom, I've been using my ATM card since I've been in but college. But she still writes checks for other things, I'm guessing, right? Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Yeah, okay. for everything. That's cool. Because we do too. We do too. I mean, I, I mean, for certain things. I don't know the last time I wrote a check. Right. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It's rare. It's, it's rare. It's very rare now. Now we're, I guess, showing our age. But Drew, you talked to Anthony Munoz. We're gonna have that interview in our next segment, awesome. the final he's segment. Goat. He's I've been awesome. He's he's unbelievable. I've I've interviewed him before, and I just you said it best. We were talking uh, before the show started. And you said, I wish I'd talk to Anthony Munoz every day. I came in at 9 a.m. yesterday and talked with him for about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I had not had coffee yet. and He I was could, your juice. I can be a little grumpy Gus if I don't have my coffee in the morning. 
I was in a great mood. I was like Ned Flanders after I walked out of here. I was like, hi, how you doing? Everybody I saw, I don't know. And I don't know, he didn't do anything crazy, but it was just fun talking with him. Yeah. He had good things to say. And we had chit-chatted about his time on The Right Stuff, that movie, mm-hmm. which you yeah. got to watch. If you, if, folks, if which you're I out have there. It. You've already given me grief about this. We live in the space city. Yeah. you got to watch. It's a phenomenal movie. Speaking of Netflix, uh-huh. is it Netflix? I think it's Netflix now. Maybe may just be on iTunes, but there is it's it's on iTunes. The Apollo Eleven I got, movie, yeah, that's probably cool, and it's got all the footage from 1969, mm-hmm. like it's never never before seen footage. And I can't get anybody in my family to watch it. I haven't I haven't asked Jack yet. Jack will sit down for certain movies. Like sometimes I can get Jack to sit and watch a movie with me. Mm-hmm. This might be one, but the preview with all the footage is like. <gasps> It means jaw-dropping. First of all, it's just brilliant, brilliant, pristine footage. Mm -hmm. I mean, the visuals are just incredible. And it's kind of documentary style, so I'm I'm all about it. But I just haven't had a chance to to sit down and watch it. But that is that's definitely on my on my list of things to watch. And oh, by the way, on Netflix, uh, not that this is uh, one's on Netflix and one's on Amazon. The All or Nothing series is coming back. That's the NFL. That's the NFL. Hard Knocks in-season show. It's good. It's really good. Carolina Panthers this year. Ooh, I'm looking the, forward to that. It reviews last year. And then also, Last Chance You. Uh-huh. You've been going through Last Chance You. I just started the very first season, yeah. They're on season four. Both of those are coming out July 19th. All right. So I know exactly what I'll be doing that weekend. All right. I know exactly what I'll be doing. I like it. Now, during the fall, I know exactly what you and I will be doing. Uh-huh. We'll be talking about this football team. And yes. training camp starts Less than a month. It's hard to believe. In some sense, it's less than a month. But offense, defense, Drew. I know we've talked. We talked about the stars and when the stars are coming back. But they're always they're always players that we kind of are off the beaten path a little bit. That man, you know what? These guys need to step up this year to make an impact on this team. Whether it's to make sure they have they're on the team. Like if they don't make an impact in training camp, maybe they're not on the team. Or boy, they have a skill set that's a little different that maybe the Texans need something like that. And maybe they've been around for a little bit. But offense, defense, let's start Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. There's a guy to me, there's a few guys to me on the offensive side of the ball that really are intriguing. And I, one of them is Darren Fells. Yeah, yeah. And I had this conversation over at Sports Radio 610 because I was on with, with Mike and Seth this morning because uh, uh, Mark was out. And afterwards I was talking with Landry and, and John Lopez, the OG, and I was talking to them, and they were asking me that like, do you think they'll keep four tight ends? And I keep coming back to, yeah, I think this team's keeping four tight ends in large part, not just because they want to keep four tight ends, but who the fourth one is, and that's Darren Fells. Okay, let's think about it. You, un- unless uh, just something out of left field happens, all three guys who you've who you've drafted in the last two years, they're locks. The two Jordans yes. and Kahali wearing locks. locks. All right, but let's think about this. Darren Fells is your blocking tight end. You put that in air quotes, your blocking tight end. Right. So that in itself is very important True. because it's something that can help out Deshaun Watson, help out the offensive line, mm-hmm. help out in the run game, all that. But you also need to look at his stats. In the last four years combined, he's caught 10 touchdowns. Okay, that might not sound like a lot, I understand. But let's look at, let's exclude those those three players that are locks. Look at the Texans' tight end crew over the last four years. C.J. Fedorowicz, Ryan Griffin, anybody else you throw in there. Yep. 
they never had a four four year stretch where they had that many right. scoring that opportunities. Yeah. That guy is very very important. And usually you think blocking tight end, you think mm, he's just a slightly athletic tackle. It's some big guy that got converted. It's right. like, oh, you're just bringing him in in jumbo packages. Darren Fells played professional basketball for right. four years. Darren Fells did not play college football. His college did not have a football team. So this is a guy who is incredibly athletic as well. He's very intriguing. I, I've talked about it with Pendergast. I've talked about it with you. Yeah. I just don't see how they don't go into the season with four tight ends. And he is, he is too intriguing a, a guy to cut. And how many times did we see the Texans and have we seen the Texans practice an, on offense with three tight ends? He's a guy you can yeah. put in there, and who else do you put out there with him? There's so many combinations and so many yeah. mixing mixes and matches that you can do. Him, the tight end room as a whole, it's got me very, very excited about this offense this year. I, I think you have so many possibilities with him in there yep. and with these other guys too. I got excited, and I get excited when you sit down with these guys because you dive deep into certain things, and you actually talk to Darren Fells, and we have that for you now. What was your impression of the Texans before you got here? I mean, because you played against them, the Browns, and how did that change, if at all, once you, you arrived in the building and got around the team? To me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, they were a couple plays here and there from being a great team, making further in the playoffs. Talk with the coaches. They said there's a few st- few missing pieces here and there to be a great team and feel like I can be one of those pieces that can help us out in the run game and things here and there in the offense. So I was a no-brainer for sure. How would you describe yourself as a player? A big left-left tackle. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm a blocking tight end. Obviously do that first. I feel like I can do a little bit of everything, but most mostly blocking is my my claim of fame. You can catch some touchdowns. I mean, you yeah, got, uh, what, 10 over the last four years? That's that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Oh, uh, no, not at all. You throw me that ball, I'm catching it. That, that's that's always been my model. But like I said, I'm blocking first. I'm here to block, here to help the run game, and then block some big guys if they need me to. How much pride do you take in the fact that you've not only signed a contract in the NFL, you've signed two contracts in the NFL. You've been around the league for a while, and your college did not even have a football team. Every single day, it just surprises me. Me and my wife talk about it all the time, how we haven't really – sat down and truly celebrated the fact that between me playing football in high school and in the pros it has been nine years to be on my seventh year now is it's not a thing that most people should take lightly and so I think we should celebrate that soon but it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool life you've had too I mean in between all that you got to travel internationally and do what you love that's a pretty cool experience life-wise isn't it? Oh for sure and just being able to see the world as much as I did and like you said doing something I love and getting paid to do something that you love is, is pretty awesome and just experiencing all the different cultures different foods and everything like that has been been a blessing. So what was Finland like, though? I'm fascinated by Scandinavia. Very cold and dark in the winter, for sure. During the winter, you get three hours of sunlight. I remember on Christmas, it was negative 34 degrees, yeah. What was your favorite of all the places? Because you were there, you were Belgium, France for a little bit, Argentina. Where'd you like the most? Live or play? Each. So to live, I love Belgium, and mostly because driving coast to coast was two-hour drive, so just being able to drive and see Belgium pretty much in a day, and then being able to leave Belgium, go to drive to Amsterdam in an hour and a half, drive to France, uh, drive to Germany, that was pretty awesome. You can also hop on a train that goes under, and you'll be in London. So it was just being able to see that all of Western Europe was pretty awesome, and then the play. I actually love playing in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico was a lot of fun. Just the camaraderie I was able to build, because most countries I played in, you have some teammates you couldn't even speak speak to. Most guys won't even 
and speaking English. So everybody on the team spoke English. So being able to talk to my whole, every single player and we can go out and hang out and be able to communicate and experience the Mexican culture as well was pretty awesome. So how does all that, your time abroad, how has that helped you out now? Just being able to adjust to different situations. I mean, this is my fifth team in seven years. So being able to just be go to one spot to the next and adjust and build relationships in that short time span I think has helped me a lot. And now you're in the Texans tight end room. Is there a more athletic position room A in this building, B anywhere? I mean you guys are pretty unique. I feel like our group is extremely diverse, extremely athletic. We're going to be a, a tough group to, to handle and like you said there's there's no other position I feel that does what a tight end needs to do. Yeah I mean you played pro basketball. Jordan Akins played pro baseball. You got Jordan Thomas who's enormous and then the, the rookies in too but that's a pretty diverse mix. Oh yeah it is, it's very very diverse. I and never thought in my career that I would be in the room with another two-sport professional athlete. Who's your favorite all-time retired NFL player? I've always loved Tony Gonzalez. So I'm, I'm sticking with Tony. Uh, he's He's been someone that I tried to model myself and then realized I'm not as athletic as him, so <laughs> I had to change it. But he's he's been the icon for a tight end. Drew, when he was in with us, he joked about being and what the other Jordans tell him as the right, right tackle, but uh-huh. I'm I'm actually okay with that. Let's and, he, and, then he, and he called himself the left, left yeah, tackle yeah. with me. And, and one more thing Either on way. Fells. This guy's cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. I mean, he is really, really, a, I think, a stabilizing influence in that room. And I think he can be a stabilizing influence on young players Agreed. as he was for Baker, Baker Mayfield last year. Another guy that you caught up with I think could be that guy on the defensive side, and that's Carlos Watkins. Let's hear from Carlos Watkins, the third-year defensive pass rusher from out of Clemson. Carlos, tell me about the opportunity that's in front of you. It's a big upcoming year for me. You know, all I can do is just put my best foot forward. You know, I've, I've actually, you know, the two years I've been here, I was behind great guys. And, you know, I learned a lot. And so now I feel like it's time for me to jump out the nest and fly. And you've got a nice background from your college days of success. How much do you, you rely on that? How much do you rely on what you've learned and picked up since you've gotten in the league? A lot, honestly. Clemson, you know, that's the kind of players that they, I mean, we build those kind of players, you know, so... Like, you know, just transitioning that, you know, to the NFL made it a lot easier. You know, just keeping the same work ethic, just wanting to be a winner. What were one or two keys for you from the time the season ended to now as far as something to improve on, something to work on? One of the things is just, like, confidence. You know, a lot of people don't really, you know, know how important it is because things you do, you kind of master it. And, you know, once you gain your confidence, I feel like you become great. Using my, my arm length, just really just giving a lot more effort. You know, it's, it's things that I wish I could go back and do just to give more effort. But, like, effort, you can't really coach that. So it's just something I want to give a lot more. Where do you draw on confidence? Where, where do you get your confidence? Practice. Practice. You, you really go hard in the drills and you master it. And then, you know, once you get to the field or in the game, you're just confident about what you're doing. You know, a lot of guys second-guess second themselves. You know, when they get to the field, even though they practice it all the time, but, like, once you get to the field and you have that confidence and you know you've been working at it and you master your craft, it's just, it just comes secondhand. Take me into the defensive line room. You got Anthony Weavers, the coach. What's it like in there? You just smiled. <laughs> I've heard the stories. What's yeah, it like in there? It's one of a kind in there. You know what I'm saying? I, I love it. We we have our times where we joke around and we you know we we focus on what we need to focus on. But just never know what kind of day it's gonna be and who who's gonna be the guy to get picked on. You know what I'm saying? So. I like it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? We all get on each other. So I, I, I love that room. J.J. Watt has said that you guys have, and he said he includes himself in it, he said we have the dumbest debates and arguments in the locker room and in the defensive line room. What are some of the things you guys argue about? It really could be anything. 
we kind of put people in scenarios. Like, we asked JJ, really, you got up the price on JJ. 50 mil, would you shrink down to 411? People, we just debate on things like right. that. It's just fun and games. What's it like being a teammate with DJ Reader now and, and being so near to him after the background y'all have together in college? It's great. You know, he got here a year before I did, so kind of, you know, showed me the ropes, you know, when I first got here. And still, still to this day, we push each other. You know, we might be at the house. We still chill out, go out to eat all the time. But it's, it's great to have, you know, he's not a friend. He's like a brother to me, you know what I'm saying, here on the same team. And we, we do a lot of stuff together, So we, and we still challenge each other. So it's, it's real fun to have him here. Drew, first of all, Excellent job with both those interviews. I'm Thanks. glad that you're in here so I can give you kudos. I think you do a great job on all those interviews. Appreciate that. But those two guys, maybe not guys people are thinking about because they're thinking about Watkins and or thinking about Watson and Hopkins and, and Watt and JD and all those players, but I think these two guys could play pretty significant roles on this team for different reasons this year. Beauty of the NFL, man. you got to have guys who are not stars come up and make big plays and make big contributions for you. No doubt. Drew, you're going to stick around in a sense – because we've got Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz yes. going to give us some juice next right here in Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Time to dive right back in to the show with Anthony Munoz. Hall of Fame, left tackle, played at USC. Just an unbelievable guy. I've interviewed him in the past, and I, I love it. And he runs a camp. His group runs a camp here in Houston, and that's why he was uh, on. That's why he was with Drew yesterday. So they talked a little bit about the camp, which took place yesterday, but they also talked about the Texans' life in the NFL. Here is Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. Many men have played the left tackle position in the NFL, but for my money, nobody played it better than the guy we're talking with right now, Anthony Munoz. Pro Football Hall of Famer. Anthony, first of all, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, you know, things are going well. Staying busy, but not too busy. So I can't complain right now. The Houston Texans, they drafted with their first round pick, a guy named Titus Howard out of Alabama State. And then in the second round, they took another left tackle, a guy named Max Sharping from Northern Illinois. What's the toughest adjustment coming from college to the pros for a left tackle, for an offensive lineman who's out there on the edge? First of all, college, let's say you have a 12-game uh, season, 13-game, you're not facing, you know, 12, 13 guys. You're not facing a guy every week that is the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you get to the NFL, and it doesn't matter what team you're playing. It doesn't matter if the team is doing badly or doing really well. The guy that you're playing against, he's the best. I mean, he's made an NFL football team, so he's one of the best to play in the world. So. You have to be up every single week, not only for the game, but in practice because your guys that you're practicing against, you're, you're playing against some pretty good players too. And as we know, you have a lot more practice reps than you do game reps. You use those to get better. I think that's the key is just knowing that you can't be in a lull, that you can't take a play or a, a week off or a game off, that you always have to be on top of your game. If that's definitely what you want to do for a long, long time. And that's going to allow you to keep your job and to play many years in the NFL. So that's the toughest thing and toughest adjustment coming from the college level to the NFL. What's your one strongest bit of advice for these guys to work on in this time? 
in between OTAs and the start of training camp. They've got four or five weeks, but they're not really all the way off. What do you tell these guys? What should they work on in this period? Yeah, they're not off. I mean, people say, well, they got this time now. I would say just technique. That's something as an offensive lineman that you don't need someone across from you, someone that's constantly, you know, rushing. But that's something that you can work on over and over and over. And, you know, of course, with the game now is that you have to be able to prepare with all the pounding and all the hitting. So you can prepare 100% without the 100% physical part of it. And that's something that you can continue to do from now until you, you start camp and I think that's something that I really learned, you know, and I did my whole career, even the off season when I was running and lifting, I tried every day to work on technique, footwork and, you know, being in the right position. Therefore, it comes natural. And uh, when you get to camp, now your mind isn't about your conditioning or your footwork, even though that's part of it. It's about, okay, what do I do on this play? What do I do on And really getting the strategy down to where now, you know exactly what you have to do, and you can go full speed. So I would recommend they just continue to work on their technique. Technique, a key if you're an offensive lineman. You played and blocked for some terrific quarterbacks in your career. Texans, we think we got one here in Deshaun Watson. He got sacked 62 times, but as you know, it's not always the offensive line's fault, is it? What's, what's some of the challenges when you have a quarterback who's young, who's mobile, and who can do some of the things he can do? A lot of times, uh, you know, when you're pass blocking, you you pretty much know where the quarterback is going to end up. So a lot of times your whole technique and the way you're taking your guy is predicated on that. So, you you know, all of a sudden you got a guy with that much athleticism that can escape different things. So one of the things that offensive linemen you really have to be aware of is that when you think you have your guy, you got to continue to go because it might not be your guy. He might have to escape somewhere else. Those are the things, and, and you know that you learn that right away, especially with someone like Watson, is that that might happen. So it's not like you get surprised during a game. You have to be aware. So the main thing is just football awareness, football smarts, the ability to adjust, and the main thing is just going until the whistle is blown. That's probably the big advice I'd give you when you have a guy like that because you never know how long he's going to extend the play. One of the fun things I always love talking with you about is your acting career, specifically the right stuff. What what was that like? I mean, I've heard that you've told me the story a few times, but for those that haven't heard it before, how does a guy like you get into one of the greatest movies I think of all time? I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> it was actually it happened uh, after Super Bowl 16, which was my second year in Cincinnati with the Bengals. I just happened to go back to LA and have my elbow cleaned out by the same doctor that did all three of my knees when I was at USC. He was actually the orthopedic surgeon for the Raiders, but had his office in Beverly Hills. So not only was he a, a professional athlete doctor, but he was known as the celebrity doctor in uh, Beverly Hills. Of course, John Robinson, who was my head coach at USC, mm-hmm. had been with the Raiders, came back to USC to take the head coaching job. And, you know, he started sending some of us to, to Doc Rosenfeld. And so when I went back for my final examination after my elbow had been cleaned out, he said, Anthony, I might have something for you. I said, Doc, what's that? He goes, I might have a little part in a movie for you. I said, Doc, I'm not an actor. He says, no, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Just check it out. So he gave me the names of two guys. I really didn't have any clue who they were at first. It was Erwin Winkler and Bob Shardoff. And I I quickly found out how big these two guys were (laughs) and how big in the movie industry. And I just happened to to go meet with them and happened to get this small part in the right stuff. And 
didn't realize how big the movie was initially. But then uh, I think if I'd have known prior to taking the the role, I probably would have been uh, intimidated and didn't want anything to do about you know with it. But uh, I, I did it. It was a lot of fun. Got to meet all the guys that played in the movie, and I can put that on my resume, I guess. I bet. <laughs> hey, what was it like when that movie came out? I mean, did you go and watch it in the theater? And if so, yeah. was your mind just absolutely blown by how cool that that thing was? I did. I did. It was interesting. My wife and I were kind of in the back of the theater, and there were several guys in front of us. And funny to hear that you know, once I came up, one of the guys says, hey, isn't that Anthony Munoz? And the other guy says, no. And we're in Cincinnati. And he goes, no, that's not him. That's not him. So that was a fun part. But then sitting there and watching, a, a, you know, because I love going to movies and watching yourself on a screen rather than, you know, on you know, during a football game or practice in a uniform. Now I'm in a you know, really a movie, and it was different. But my excitement was uh, waiting until the end of the movie to see my name on the credits. That was, I think, that was probably at the time a little more exciting than actually seeing myself on the screen, that I would actually have my name on the, the credit with the Ed Harris and a, a Dennis Quaid and Jeff Goldblum and all those guys, uh, Sam Elliott, and all of a sudden you see Anthony Munoz on the, you know, rolling across is one of the names on the credit. So, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was something that I'd never really experienced before, and it, w- it was fun. Yeah, that's that's got to be one of the stories of a lifetime. You know, you and I have talked a couple of times out in the heat, sweat pouring down our faces, but right now we're in the air conditioning, which is nice. You're on a phone. I'm on a phone. But tell us about the character camp that you got here in Houston. This is really a, a passion of mine. and you know, This is our eighth year that we've been doing the NFL Play 60 character camp. It's something that uh, I've been doing 18 years with my foundation in Cincinnati and about nine, ten years ago, I flew up to the league office and recommended that we work together and took their uh, Play 60 pillar and added character to it. So this is our eighth year. I think we've been in uh, 27 of the NFL cities. I know we've been in Houston year after year after year. But it's great. I love it because we can use the game of football. We're going to teach the young men and women a game of football, but then we're going to go beyond the game and teach them what it means to be a person of character what it means to work together as a team. So those are the things that excite me, that we can use a, a game that gave me a lot of opportunities, and it still gives me opportunities. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. And I imagine over the years since you started this, you've got guys and players and kids that have gone on to play in college, and I'm betting maybe even a couple of them have wound up in the NFL themselves, huh? Well, you know, that's the fun thing about it. You know, you start with these young men at a, at a young age, and then you can see them grow and see them become you know from young men to men and so that's an exciting thing and then hopefully as this process continues then you'll see those young men that grow to be men to come back and give back to their respective communities and, and really use the platform uh, like a lot of us that have played the game already are utilizing it and you know a few of the houston texans players are going to be involved with the camp here one of them is offensive lineman Greg Mance, and he grew up in the Ohio area. You were his favorite football player growing up. How's that feel when you hear stuff like that? You got guys in the NFL that, that loved what you did, that watched you back way back when. Well, I think that's the ultimate compliment that guys that are coming behind you can use you as an example. And I guess when I was growing up, I had those same examples. And then once I got into college and the pros, you want to make sure that your work ethic, that your character, and the things you do can be passed on. And uh, so it's very humbling when someone mentions that, but it's also exciting that you hopefully have trailed that path where guys can look at you and the way you played the game and the way you handle yourself, and they can emulate and they can uh, respect that. So that really is great to hear. Anthony Munoz. 
Pro Football Hall of Famer, actor in an Oscar award-winning movie. We really appreciate the time. <laughs> it's always great talking with you. And most importantly, we're really excited about this NFL character camp you got going on in Houston. Well, it'll be great. Uh, Houston has been one of the first cities we, uh, you know, we, we did the camp in, so it's nice to be able to go there every year. So, yeah, we're excited. And, and really, the city's always been very hospitable. The Texans, their staff has always been very supportive. So we, we love going there. All right. Well, we're big fans of you, Anthony, and we can't wait to see you again very soon. Thanks so much for the time Thank this you. morning. Uh, All great right. talking to you always. Yes, sir. I think it's Drew's providing the juice, a little bit of music there with that. You can definitely check out the full interview over at in the lab when Drew's done interviews with Clint Sterner, Wade Smith, Sean Pendergast have all gone over there to our home, the In the Lab podcast. Okay, each and every day this week, well, I should say each and every day, but Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday, I've done an alternate 11. Monday, I did the alternate 11 non-quarterback offensive players the Texans are going to face in 2019. And then on Wednesday, I did the alternate 11 uh, defensive players the Texans are going to face in 2019. So let's dive into the quarterbacks. Some interesting stuff when you look at this very stout list of players. Oh, my goodness. We'll do that next right here in Texans All Access. One final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. And just a quick reminder, if you are going to Gold Cup, Mexico tomorrow taking on Costa Rica. That is one game. And I know Canada is in the other one. I'm trying to remember who Canada plays. But that is here tomorrow. Ticketmaster.com. I do believe tickets are still available, but they have gone fast. I don't know how much they have left, but get your tickets for that. We had Fletch talk with us, I believe it was last Friday, talk about what's going on uh, with the Gold Cup, CONCACAF Gold Cup. Mexico in the building on Saturday. You definitely do not want to miss it. Now, this final segment, we're going to do the alternate 11 quarterbacks the Texans face this year. Now, before we get into this, because trying to put any sort of list together of quarterbacks, think about a couple of things. Number one, Tom Brady won the MVP, the league MVP in 2007. Okay? If you take out retired players, now the only retired player from 2007 going forward to have won the MVP was Peyton Manning. Peyton won it in 08, 09, and 13. Okay, so take Peyton Manning out. So take out 8, 9, and 13. The Texans will face every league MVP minus one, Adrian Peterson, 2012. They will face every single other league MVP this year in some capacity. Check this out. In 07, Brady's league MVP. Then Peyton in 08 and 09. 2010, Tom Brady. Play him week 13. The 2010, Tom Brady. 2011, Aaron Rodgers. We'll see him in the preseason. Adrian Peterson, 2012, it's the only one. Manning won it again in 13. Then, from 14, Aaron Rodgers, see him in the preseason. Cam Newton, 15, you see him in week 4. Matt Ryan in 16, see him in week 5. Tom Brady won it again in 17, see him in week 13. And then you'll see Patrick Mahomes in week 6. Holy smokes. Face every league MVP quarterback. Let's put it that way. You'll face every league MVP quarterback in some way, shape, or form. Rodgers in the preseason, and then Newton, Ryan, Brady, and Mahomes. The last 
four league MVPs you face in the regular season. Now, the good news, none of those guys have repeated, I guess, in that four-year span, but that's not too much consolation. So, here's another nugget to chew on. All nine games before the bye. So, just a reminder, Texas play at New Orleans, home Jacksonville, at the Chargers, home Carolina, home Atlanta, at KC, at Indy, home Oakland, London, Jacksonville. Those nine games. They will face eight different quarterbacks, Foles twice. Those eight quarterbacks have accounted for 37 Pro Bowls, four first-team All-Pro honorees, three Super Bowl MVPs, Breeze and Foles twice, and they face three league MVPs in the first nine games. In the second nine games, then obviously Brady is, is the big one there. But they face Luck. So Brady and Luck really account for the most of it. But Joe Flacco was a Super Bowl MVP. So they face Flacco, Brady, Foles, and Breeze. Four Super Bowl MVPs. Here's the other nugget. The Texans will face either a former Pro Bowler, Super Bowl MVP, league MVP, or number one, number two overall pick in every game but one. Every game but one. Because the guys that have not been uh, MVPs, actually, I'm sorry, Pro Bowlers, I actually, Winston, Mar- uh, James Winston, I think, went to a Pro Bowl. But Mariota's the only one. The only one that doesn't fall into that category, not a Pro Bowler, not a Super Bowl MVP, not a league MVP, and wasn't first or second overall, was Lamar Jackson, number uh, week 11. He might be the ma- most dangerous one to face. So, give me my music, and let's go. Let's start at number 11 with Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP, he has gone to a Pro Bowl. That was after his 2013 season. He was outstanding. 27 touchdowns, two interceptions that year. He was MVP with Philly. He's now with Jacksonville. So, people, wait, wait a second. He's at 11? It kind of shows you something. I, I think with Foles, I don't want to say we'll see a regression to the mean, but I just think the talent around Foles and Philly was so incredibly diverse that it allowed Foles to do a lot of different things. And Jacksonville may not be as much. He's going to have to carry that offense a little bit more. I don't know if he's there yet. We'll give Nick Foles at number 11. Number 10, face Jameis Winston. One of the more talented quarterbacks on this list. Can make every throw in the book, but has been a complete mess. I do think Jameis is going to be very difficult to face late in the year as long as his guys are healthy because he'll at that point have been able to soak in the lessons of Bruce Arians to me Bruce Arians with Jameis Winston is going to be trouble for the NFC South at some point maybe not this year exactly but in due time that's going to be tough I put Lamar Jackson at number nine now Lamar obviously is as I mentioned not in that Pro Bowl Super Bowl MVP League MVP first or second overall category But he's so different, and Baltimore will be so different. The good thing is the Texans will have a bye week before that week to get ready. But I don't even know if – I mean, still having seen Deshaun Watson in practice, that will help. But Lamar Jackson is going to be a whole different challenge. Oh, I I mean – I just I shudder thinking about it. Some of these guys I'd rather face because you know they're going to sit in the pocket. You know where they're going to be. 
Jackson, you have no idea, and I think that makes him difficult to face. Number eight is Derek Carr. He was as good as anybody we saw in 2016. He was unbelievably good in 2016. And I he hasn't gotten back to that level yet, but he'll have some weapons with him. He'll have Josh Jacobs, the first-round rookie at running back. He will have Antonio Brown. He will have Terrell Williams. He'll have some guys with him, and he'll be protected. Derek Carr comes in at number eight. Number seven, 2016 league MVP, Matt Ryan. Now, Ryan's got a lot of help with him. I think he is a – I put it this way. Nick Foles is a poor man's Matt Ryan. But Foles can move in the pocket a little bit. Matt's not going to. He's going to move in the pocket, but he's not going to get out of the pocket much. But Ryan's got a lot of help. He throws it to Julio. He throws it to Mohamed Sanu. He throws it to Calvin Ridley now. He's got some weapons. They change the offensive line in front of him. Matt Ryan had a very productive year in 2018. I hope that stops by week five, but league MVP of 2016, Matt Ryan at number seven. League MVP 2015, Cam Newton is at number six. And the reason I put Cam at six is the dual threat guys scare me to death because I would want a dual threat quarterback to scare other teams to death. And Cam Newton still does that. Now, where is his shoulder and the rehab process? How does that play a role in week four? We'll see. But Cam Newton still, to me, because of every play he can make on the field. You put Christian McCaffrey next to him, they can run it, they can throw it, they can play action it. There's a lot of things they can do. Cam Newton comes in at number six, league MVP of 2015. Phillip Rivers at number five. Phillip, eight-time Pro Bowler. Guy's been overshadowed a little bit in large part because his team has never gotten to the big one, but he's got a squad this year. He's got a defense. Oh, my goodness. He's got a running game with Melvin Gordon. And he's got some weapons to throw to. Keenan Allen is one of the top receivers in the league. I put Phillip Rivers at number five. And one of the reasons that I hate seeing Rivers is his release is so quick. Oh, it's insane how fast he gets the ball away. And I've talked to Whitney Merciless about this. I don't know how many times Whitney got near Rivers in 16, the game we lost here, and just couldn't get a sack because Rivers was getting rid of the ball so quickly. It's unbelievable. So I put Phillip Rivers at number five. Number four. Four-time Pro Bowler, Andrew Luck. Every time Andrew Luck comes into this building, it's a disaster for the Texans. 2012, the Texans beat uh, beat Luck in 2012. In 2013, they did not. 2014, they did not. 2015, he didn't play. 2016, he did, and the Texans beat them. 2017, he did not play. And 2018, he came in this building and, and put it together. And it was just, I'm going to take the throws that are open. That guy's open. That guy's open. He's open. Hit T.Y. with the big deep ball right before J.D. had the sack. Was about to sack him. And that changed the whole game around. Luck, healthy, scares me. Two down. God, I hate seeing that guy. And the thing the thing about it is, I just I love Andrew Luck. I love everything about him. Smart. Tough. He's got a great demeanor. I think he's he embraces his inner weird his inner weirdness, if you will. So I, I, I love that guy, and I hate facing him. Fate, hate facing him. The Texans did beat him in 2016, but, man, it's going to be tough to beat that guy this year with the weapons he's got. T.Y. Hilton, they drafted Paris Campbell. They signed Devin Funches. He gets Jack Doyle back off IR from last year. He still has Eric Ebron, who had a breakout year last year. He's got a running game with Marlon Mack. He's behind one of the better offensive lines in the league. Andrew Luck can just pick you apart, and I think – what I saw at the end of the year or for the second half of the year on he really took to Frank Reich's coaching 
get rid of the football. This guy's going to be open. Throw it to him. Sometimes the game is that simple, and Andrew Luck found that. He's at number four. These top three, man, gosh, this is hard. I put Drew Brees at number three. Now, I will readily admit Drew Brees is one of my favorite all-time players. Part of it's because he's from Texas, played at Austin Westlake High School. Part of it is because he's been counted out. Part of it is because I look at him eye to eye because I'm six foot. He's six foot. Part of it is just I love everything about the way he approaches the game. He's all-time leading yardage passer in the history of the game. He's gone to 12 Pro Bowls. He was an All-Pro. He was a Super Bowl MVP. He's got a Super Bowl ring. I mean, he's got Michael Thomas to throw it to. He's got Alvin Kamara. He's behind a great offensive line. When he, in 2015, I'll never forget, going, going to face the Saints in the preseason game, and he got one series, and he just went up. He just went down the field like it was easy. He was like, throw it out to Ingram, throw it to this guy, tight ends, receivers, touchdown. I mean, it was that quick. Brandon Cook's touchdown. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then later in the year, the Texans were able to slow them down and get a win. It was, it was, it was incredible. But that said, Drew Brees has been just unbelievable. I put him at number three. You could split hairs with these top three. But at number two, I put Patrick Mahomes. And the only reason I put Patrick Mahomes at number two is because of the kryptonite that Tom Brady is at number one. But speaking of make every throw, Patrick Mahomes has an arm that people are envious of. Ask quarterbacks throughout the league, and they'll tell you, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had Pat's arm. I mean, he can make any throw. He can not even look at a guy and make a throw. He made throws, and I remember the first time I saw him live was against uh, LSU in a bowl game. And I saw him make throws in that game, and I went, that guy, that's guy, that guy's going to hit it big in the NFL. That's when I knew. And everybody's like, no, nah, he's too risky. He's too this. He's too that. I was like, that'll play. Now, will he have Tyreek Hill? We don't know. But Mahomes can make everybody around him that much better. He's got every, every weapon you want in the arsenal. He's got it. But I put him at number two. He's last year's league MVP because Tom Brady has been the kryptonite for this organization forever. I could see the Texans going to Kansas City and beating the Chiefs. Even with Mahomes playing, I, I could see the Texans doing that. But I have trouble, and I know it's happened before, And because I, I was actually here to see it in 2009. The Texans beat the Patriots. But it's almost like, man, I'll believe it when I see it. Guy won another Super Bowl. He's got 14 Pro Bowls. He's got six rings. He's been in nine Super Bowls. He's three-time league MVP. He's three-time All-Pro. He's four times, four times he's won the Super Bowl MVP. I put Tom Brady at number one. Quibble with that. I know Texas Tech fans are like, you're dumb, John Mahomes. Look, I understand how good Mahomes is, but Brady's been doing it since 2001. Pat was still playing peewee baseball at that point. So I'm going to give Brady just the edge up because of that and also because it's the Texans. He seemingly always beats us, which hopefully that will change. Uh, this year at home in week 13. So there you go. Big thanks to Drew for stopping by, to Darren Fells, to Carlos Watkins, to Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Our theme week starts on Monday with life in the NFL. Tune in to hear that right here on Texans All Access. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.